Welcome to episode 225 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, a comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny, intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get 20% off one of my favorite things for truly taking charge of your health including testing something we talk about all the time, your insulin levels. So to live your healthiest and longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source that would be your body. By using data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers, Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science-backed recommendations on things that you can take control of to optimize your health. What I love about Inside Tracker is that Inside Tracker tests provide optimal ranges, not conventional ranges, for over 40 biomarkers, including magnesium, vitamin D, testosterone, cortisol, ferritin, which is the storage form of iron that is rare for doctors to test, ApoB, three key female biomarkers, and something I am so excited about, Inside Tracker recently added insulin testing to their ultimate plan. Friends, I am thrilled about this. We talk about insulin all the time on this show. It is so relevant to your metabolic health and your lifespan. In particular, insulin tracking is an early warning sign for several chronic diseases, and is a key indicator of energy optimization. It can really let you know if your diet, if your fasting is working for you, you want to test your insulin. It is so hard to get doctors to test insulin, and now you can do it with Inside Tracker. The thing I love most about Inside Tracker is that they have a strict science-backed approach to everything they do. If your specific biomarker level is unoptimized, Inside Tracker actually provides recommendations that are backed by dozens of peer-reviewed studies and personalized to you. This process was set in place by their founders that include experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. And for a limited time, our audience can get 20% off their ultimate plan, which includes testing that insulin when you sign up at insidetracker.com slash IF podcast. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And one of the things I really love about Inside Tracker is it helps you track all of your results, all of your tests over time, so you can see patterns, see your history. It makes predictions of where you'll be if you continue on your current trajectory. It is a game changer for making sense of 
your labs. I am obsessed with Inside Tracker. Again, you can get 20% off their ultimate plan, including testing your insulin levels at insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And we will put all of this information in the show notes. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 225 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am fantastic, and I'm so excited that I can finally announce who wrote the foreword for Cleanish. And who is that? It's somebody that listeners know that I'm a huge fan of, Dr. Tim Spector of Zoe and all the twin research and all the microbiome research. So he is like 
somebody I really, really respect and admire. I sent him a draft of Cleanish. And I was like, I was so afraid that he was going to reply like, this book is garbage. I can't put my name on this book. (laughs) We knew he wouldn't say that. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. (laughs) Did he say anything yet? Well, the the foreword had some, some words in it about the book. So it made me super excited and happy. I actually, completely unrelated to that update from you, started listening to his book, Spoon Fed, yesterday. Because he's coming on your show, right? Yes. He's great. I mean, his book, the one before Spoon Fed, The Diet Myth, came out in, I don't know, maybe it was 2015. It was either 2015 or 2016, because it was early in my my weight loss journey. I'd already lost the weight, I'm pretty sure, but... That's why I think it might have been 2015 when I had just barely gotten to goal. But it really blew my mind. I think I read it before I read The Obesity Code, although I could be getting, it could be 2016, so I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, the stuff he talked about, food and how we're different, that was really probably the first time I ever had that concept really presented to me. You know, because all the, all the diet books we ever read said, this is how you do it. And this is why it didn't ever talk about how we were different. I don't think I actually read the diet. Is the diet myth? Yes. It's called the diet myth. I was trying to decide which one to read. Did you read spoon fed? Oh yes. I pre-ordered it. I'm one of the, <laughs> one of those people that I'm such a fan. I'm a, I'm a pre-orderer when it comes to anything he writes. I mean, yeah, there's some overlap. It's really a different style. I don't know. I really enjoyed reading the diet myth also. I might have enjoyed reading that one more, but it also might be because I read it first and it was a long time ago. And so it was new to me. You know how when you're reading something that's new to you, it's like a page turner. (laughs) Because I'm like, what? Turning the pages. No way. You know, turning the pages. And then when I read Spoon Fed, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. Here's something that is so funny. He and I both tell the same story. He tells it in Spoon Fed. I told it in Fast Feast Repeat about these, this study about these cheese sandwiches. We both analyzed the same study. But I mean, I had already turned in, you know, Fast Feast Repeat before Spoon Fed came out. I was already in this house. So I was like, we were long into the process of Fast Feast Repeat. But I'm like, oh my goodness, we're telling the same research story. So anyway, that was cool. That's amazing. It really is. Yeah. But I also was really glad that I had already gotten mine turned in and that it was because I was like, it's going to sound like I copied him, but I didn't. It was just the research study. We used, you know, when you're talking about the same study. That's really funny. But it was such a good study because it was about these different cheese sandwiches. And the point is that the less processed cheese sandwiches, the body managed them better than the ones that were more ultra processed. So if you're trying to make that point (laughs) about ultra processed versus you know, less processed, that is definitely a study to discuss. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like I remember that study. It was probably from reading your book. Yep. Yep. Because it was in in my book. But yeah, I turned my book in in July of 2019, I think. And Spoon Fed came out, I don't know, was it fall of 2019 or spring of 2020? It came out before Fast Feast Repeat was officially out, I think. But I think it did. Maybe it was after. Anyway. Along the timeline, I was well done. You know how it is with books. Like, I'm completely done with Cleanish. And it's still not coming out till January. It's very exciting. It is very exciting. I've been seeing the pa- the way the pages look like they're designing the pages. And the book's going to be 400 pages long. Oh, my goodness. I know. I was like, what? 
hardback or paperback or? It's paperback. I tried so hard to get them to do hardback, but it has to do with getting stores to stock it. It's a harder sell, I think, to get stores to stock a hardback. Do you think they'll ever do a hardback of Fast Feast Repeat? I don't know. I'm actually very surprised they haven't, you know, with it being a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. And, you know, sticking up there in the weight loss category as far as like, you know, ranking. The other day I looked, it was number one. And I mean, it's still sticking up there. You know, it's really exciting. Oh, and I'm starting on Instagram to see people tagging me in Italian, which means people are reading the Italian version. And that is so exciting. That's really fun. I know. And the Spanish version too. So, and you know, the Chinese version is coming out at some point. I don't know when. Oh, wow. I know. Isn't that exciting? Someone joined the Delayed on Deny Social Network this week, and she was talking about how she lives in China. She's an expat. She's an American, but she lives in China. And she was talking about how no one there really knows about intermittent fasting. And I'm like, hopefully that'll change eventually when my book comes out. Oh, wow. That's interesting. It is interesting. I never really thought about it in Asia. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. It's just so exciting to to see it happening and unfolding and feeling like, you know, even though we're over a year after it came out in English, it's still still very early in the days of the book. And it's just exciting that it's continuing to do well. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. And then Cleanish will be here and then it'll be a whole nother thing. I know. Yeah, I'm I really am proud of Cleanish because I, I think it's you know, it's stuff we all kind of have in our minds, but when you put it all together, I, I just was constantly while I was researching for that book, like, oh my gosh, I knew that, but now I really know that. And really how important it is. You already know how important it is, but why it's more important now than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. What was I reading? I was reading something yesterday. It might've been Tim Spector's book. I don't know. I was just reflecting on the like how overwhelmingly obvious it is when you look at the literature about what these toxic things in our environment are doing to us and how little it's appreciated just in general. I mean, it's very appreciated like in, you know, the biohacking world and the, you know, like in a a niche area, but not beyond that. But I don't think it's really mainstream yet. Exactly. It's like, we're probably preaching to the choir here with our audience. And it's just, I don't know. It just seems so obvious. But I, I want to get beyond just my audience with this book and, and introduce new people to the ideas. And you know, I tell a story. The first time my eyes were really open to chemicals and how they affect us was, was when Will was little. And he, have I talked about this before with you? He had chemical sensitivities and food sensitivities. I think you have about his food. Yeah. Yeah. And so I tell that story in the introduction for Cleanish. And it made such a difference cleaning up Will's diet. But I didn't clean up mine at the same time because I didn't need to. I wasn't having the problems. And, you know, he was the canary in the coal mine. And, you know, looping back to that time, I missed an opportunity to make a change for the whole family. And then once he, you know, quote, outgrew it, we all went back to eating how we had been, including him. And it's just, it's it's mind-boggling if I really, really knew what I know now. But, of course, I didn't. But you start connecting things. It's all so connected. And, of course, Tim Spector in the introduction talks about how all these things affect the gut microbiome negatively because that's his area of expertise. So, you know, we don't just want to feed the gut microbiome well by choosing foods that nourish it, nourish those little gut guys. But we also don't want to put in things that harm the gut microbiome. So it's really, there's so much to it. And when you start realizing all of it, you're like, okay, now it matters. I mean, like I did not, 
I was really you know, in a run or in a rush the other day. I'd been out with family. It was late. And, you know, I've made no secret that I love a good McDonald's cheeseburger from time to time. And I was running late and I hadn't eaten and I didn't have anything at home to eat because the beach schedule anyway. So I was like, I could just drive through and get, you know, a double cheeseburger and it would be so delicious and the fries and I would love that. Then I'm like, yeah, but I just don't really want to put that in my body right now. And I'm like, oh my God, I think that's the first time I've ever had that thought. You know, when I was like, had time and wanted to, and it wouldn't have hurt anything. It wouldn't have affected my weight, you know, because for, so for so long, it was all just about, did this affect my weight? Yeah, I can say this completely honestly. I am grateful. If I eat that type of food now, like I will feel sick. And I'm grateful for that. Like it doesn't bother me because I'm really happy eating the food that doesn't make me feel sick. So... Yeah. And I, I wouldn't feel sick from eating it, probably. Although if I go to a restaurant that has like really bad cooking oil and eat a you know plate of fries, I might have a stomachache from that. I've never had a stomachache at McDonald's, but I also don't eat it a lot. So maybe I would now. I mean, there was no guilt attached to eating it. That's the thing. It wasn't like, oh, I would be so bad if I ate that. I was just like, I really don't want to eat that. And that that's like the first time it's like I'm still continuing to evolve with with <laughs> with what even being cleanish means to me. Because being cleanish means I could have a McDonald's cheeseburger and fries if I wanted to, but I legitimately didn't want to. That was the part that was shocking. Yeah, like speaking to the guilt part, I definitely when I started this was it was very it was a lot of guilt, and I don't think it really is guilt now because now I just. Like I honestly would rather not eat that food. And like I said, I will feel unwell and sick. And that doesn't bother me because, (laughs) like I said, I don't want to eat it anyway. Right, right. Well, it was a super surprise that I didn't want to. And I came home and had some leftover red beans and rice that I had made from, you know, (laughs) on my own. And anyway, and I was like, I'm glad I waited. Thank goodness for fasting. Hunger is not an emergency. I didn't need to eat on the run. And so I didn't. Anyway, so what's up with you? Anything new? Not that much. Still working on developing the Serapeptase supplement. We're still like hashing out the final parts of the contract. I'm learning so much about creating a supplement. (laughs) So that's been fun. I bet that is like a whole new thing. Yeah, it is. And Sean Wells, do you know Sean? You interviewed him and then connected us by email. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. He's amazing. I'm not developing it with him, but he's... He's really like one of the go-to supplement people like in the biohacking sphere. So he's been helping me a lot with just things you didn't know you needed to know. He's like, you need to ask these questions. You need to like, this needs to be in the contract. And, you know, and I was like, oh. Really, honestly, it is the things you wouldn't even know that you need to know. It's good to have somebody like that on your side. Yeah, no. So I'm really, really grateful for that. He even connected to me to like his attorney to just help look over everything. So, yeah. That's been great. Also, can I talk about one little thing that I've been using that... Um, No, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course you can. Please talk about it. Have I told you about my Somavetic? Your what? Somavetic. No, I don't even know what words you just said. Okay. I've been wanting to talk about it on the show, but for like weeks now, but we've always gone really long in the intro like we are right now. But (laughs) so I'll make it short. It's all related though. It's all good stuff. So say the word slower... Somavetic. So it's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C. Somavetic. I feel like I did a spelling bee. You said in a sentence. So they, okay, they sent me one and I was skeptical. 
like very skeptical. So it's this glass housing thing and it has precious and semi-precious stones on the inside and they have different ones and you plug it in, it lights up and they say that it creates a like field that combats EMF. I don't know. It seems a little like woo-woo. And <laughs> I was like, I don't know about this. I plugged it in. I've been using it. Okay. Since using it, my aura ring scores have dramatically improved. Well, I mean, that's real data. And so it's supposed to do what? It combats EMF. And so they have four studies on their website. And I did a whole blog post where I like went through their studies. And one of them is published in a scientific journal. The one that's published looks at the effects of cell phone radiation on human cells in the presence or not in the presence of the somavedic. And basically, when there wasn't the somavedic, it did all of this damage. And when there was the somavedic, it mitigated the damage by 80%. Wow. So it's in, it's energy. It's doing something with the energy. Yeah, yeah. And then they have three other studies, which are not in a like a published journal, but I mean, it's like the data and all of the information. And one is like heart rate variability and like in a dozen patients or so. And almost all of them, their heart rate variability substantially improved. One looked at, the other one looked at cardiovascular health and almost all of theirs improved. And then the fourth one looked at blood sedimentation rates and it improved. I don't know. So I'm so sold on it. They So they sent me one because it is a little bit pricey. They sent me one. I'm so sold. I bought a second one myself, like just myself. I'm like really obsessed. So I just wanted to share. Okay. That sounds very interesting. You know, the thing about it is energy is real. We're made of energy. The world is energy. And the fact that things have fields, you know, I mean, we've all seen a magnet work. That's not magic. That's not woo-woo. It's energy. It's, you know, <laughs> the attraction of a magnet and the metal. So it makes sense that things would interact in a way we can't see. I mean, just my scores on the aura ring, and I really realized it this week, it like hit me how much it's changed because I had a night where I stayed out a little bit late and had a, lot, a little bit of wine. My aura ring scores were not that good. It's like I knew that I'd been up late and had wine, but I realized the scores that were not good were the scores that used to be my like normal. Oh, wow. You're sleeping better. Yeah. I'm sleeping better. My readiness score is better. My heart rate variability is better. So if listeners want to learn more, I'm obsessed. I might buy a third one because they just released one for your car. (laughs) So I did a whole blog post. It's very long. It's melanieavalon.com slash somavetic science. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. My discount code is melanieavalon.com slash somavetic and the code melanie10 gets you 10% off. I'm obsessed now. Well, that is very cool. So that's my update. This was a long intro. Well, it was, but it was all very interesting. It was. The environment, cleaning up things. I mean, I think it was interesting. Maybe everybody's like, man, that was so boring, but I thought it was pretty. I've been talking about it on Instagram and places and people keep asking me. So that's the information. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. 
That's right. I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands. And it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order. So you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. All right. So to start things off, we actually have two questions from the same listener. She wrote in this original question and I had it in the prep doc to answer, but then she sent a follow-up saying that it was addressed, but I actually am going to read both because I think it's nice hearing about how she found the answer to her problem. Oh, wait. Oh, one last thing. I just drank some water. The Somavedic, the green one also structures water and they actually have pictures of that. Okay, here we go. From Zoe, the subject is stalling and feeling hungry. And Zoe says, Hi, Jen and Melanie. I'm hoping you both can shed some light on a current issue I have with feeling hungry or what I think is hunger. I have a large amount of weight to lose over 100 pounds. I have been doing IF one meal a day since March, 2021, and I've lost over 50 pounds since then. It's been easy so far, more than that. The non-scale victories, such as being more energized, reduced inflammation, and general wellness have been fantastic. However, I'm recently starting to feel hungry in the day and have not been able to make it to my usual 20 to 24 hour fast. I'm trying to decide if it's mindset. I can feel my old diet mindset starting to kick in of wanting to eat whenever I want. 
I've never really felt hungry in the time I've been doing IF so far, which is great. But now suddenly I do. One thing of note is that it's my time of the month, which could be it, but it seems odd that I've had this sudden change. Is it because my easily available fat has been used up now and I am now accessing other fat reserves? My eating is varied. I really don't do low carb, keto, low fat, or anything like that. I just focus on whole foods with a few treats thrown in. I'm still enjoying all the non-scale victories, but I'm now eating too much in my window or eating twice a day, which doesn't result in weight loss for me. I don't mind if I hit a weight plateau for a bit, having lost such a big chunk so far, but what worries me is that I'm going to start gaining weight back because I can't control my urge to eat. Before you read or follow up, can I just jump right in on something? Yeah, I was going to ask you too. <laughs> oh, good, good. I just wanted to make sure that <laughs> we didn't go on because... Had we not gotten the follow-up, I would 100% have zoomed in on the part about her saying it's her time of the month, that hormonal time, because when I was still, but you know, before I went through menopause, when I was still trying to lose weight, when, you know, when I was still cycling regularly, I always noticed I was starving, 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 and I'm like, why am I so hungry? And it always puzzled me, just like it did Zoe here, <laughs> every single time. That's what's hilarious. Every time I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why am I so hungry? Why am I eating so much? And then the next day, bam, it would start. My cycle would start. And and I was like, well, duh. But I mean, it's every single time I felt like that. So ladies, don't be like me when I was always so surprised by why am I so hungry? What's happening? Yes, hormonal hunger is absolutely real. For me, it wasn't something that went on for days and days. It would ha- there would be like one mainly really hard day when I needed to have more food, and I listened to my body and I did, and then eventually I you know stopped being puzzled by it. And I'm like, oh, looking at my calendar, it's probably time. That is absolutely something to always keep in mind. Instead of you know worrying about it, it's totally normal. Yeah, and I've thought about this as well because it's thought that the increase in hunger during the second part of your cycle, usually right before your period is because progesterone levels are really high and they increase metabolism. And what's really interesting about it is like the studies say that it's really probably only around 300 extra calories that you burn, but I don't think it's even that so much as it's just your metabolism is ramped up. So regardless of how many actual calories extra you need, it's like your metabolism is in a hungry state. It really is. Yeah. It's really hard to fight nature. That's an example of that. You feel guilty, you know, perhaps that you ate more than you intended, but it's really hard to fight your body, like I said. Yeah. So I'm glad she said that. And then her follow-up was she said her new subject was longer windows slash continuous eating. And she says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I submitted a question about a week ago about hunger. You can ignore it if you wish, as all the negative symptoms are now gone and I'm back to no hunger during the fast. I can only put it down to PMT. Based on her spelling, I think that she might be British. And so that must be PMS. In America, we say PMS. Oh, they call it PMT? Well, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I looked it up and it was premenstrual tension. Maybe they call it that. I think so. She's got a spelling that's a British or Australian spelling, the way she spelled energized with an S instead of a Z. That's not the American spelling. So I I think it's what we call PMS. 
premenstrual tension is what they call it there, I guess. She says, I can only put it down to PMT and we'll be ready for it next time. It won't freak me out. Or it might. And then <laughs> you'll be surprised again, like I always was. And then you're like, oh, wait, that was it. Okay. <laughs> In hindsight, you'll understand it. I do the same thing with like tenderness. And I'm like, hmm, why am I so tender every single time? And I'm like, this is odd. I know. Isn't it funny? I know. I've, I've been a woman for, you know, by the, but, you know, before I went through menopause, it had been, you know, what, 51 years. I'd been, a, you know, I'd been cycling for a large proportion of that. And still it surprised me every time. <laughs> What's this craziness that's going? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So the rest of her question, she says, I do have another question though, if you will permit me. I usually have an eating window around 1 to 2 p.m. on a 23-1, I do this every time, regime, regimen? Regime. That is regime. Regimen has an N on the end of it. But they can both mean the same thing? Well, I would probably say regimen in this case instead of regime. Regime is not the right word here. So why don't you say regimen? Because really regime is not the same word. Oh, it can also be a system or planned way of doing things, especially one opposed from above. Oh, so regimen would be like self-done and regime would be like forced upon you. I always think of a regime as like an organization. Yeah, that's the first definition. And then the second one is a system basically from that. I've never used it the second way. I love learning about words. I've never used it that way. But again... You know, in other parts of the world, they regularly use words differently than we do. I, I would have said regimen. Yeah. So I feel like regimen is like your plan and regime would be like, you know, they made you do this regime. Oh, I could see that. So her would be regimen though, probably. Although maybe that's how it's used where she lives. It's true. Subtle differences in meanings. Yes. Okay. I'm just going to move on. She says, this this suits me as I can't graze over a long window when my meal is finished, I'm done. My question is this, when I get invited out or we have people over for dinner, I choose to open my window at the usual time, having a slightly smaller meal than I usually would, then eat again in the evening. I don't seem to be able to wait until the evening from the previous lunchtime around 30 hours. I get hungry slash expect to eat, not sure which. Is it better to eat my usual smaller meal than have nothing no cordial, diet soda, fruit, nuts, or anything until the evening meal, or does it make a difference? My window's open, so it doesn't matter if you, quote, rest your system between lunch and dinner. I'm currently doing the latter and feel good on it, and I think this is because I'm not spiking insulin over those few hours between meals, or do you think insulin will be high from my lunchtime meal so it doesn't actually make a difference? Thoughts, please. Love all your podcasts. You know, I think a lot of that is very, you know, theoretical and you know, how much does that really matter? And what you don't want to do is overeat over a long window period. But, you know, we're not all the same. Like, for example, Dr. Burt Hearing, who wrote Fast Five, grazes over his entire five-hour window versus, you know, eating once, not eating anymore, and then eating again at the end. I don't want to say this is what you should do. What you should do is the one that feels right to you and the one that feels good. If you are having a smaller meal at your normal time, then not eating again till later 
and then eating then, and that feels really good to you, then do it because it feels good. And and that's that's what's working. I wouldn't really worry about what your insulin's doing in between. Whereas if you instead open your window and do a little grazing and that I feel like if I grazed all the way through though, I wouldn't be hungry for dinner. I wouldn't be able to enjoy the dinner. So the way you're doing it, you know, forget about what's happening, you know, in the biochemical world of your body or your your hormones or whatever. What you're doing seems like it just makes a lot of sense because you want to enjoy your dinner later. And I absolutely agree that, you know, there's no need to force yourself to, to wait and not eat and then wait till dinner. It's fine to have a longer window because I really, you know, I've talked about it before. You've probably heard me and I talked about it in Fast Feast Repeat. If we have something that's the same day after day all the time, like the 23-1 that you normally do, your body is more likely to adapt if it's exactly the same every day, day in, day out. So having a longer window on those days probably is helpful for your body, revving up that metabolism a little bit. So by the way, this is how Chad eats. He eats in the middle of the day for lunch, then he doesn't snack between meals, and then he eats again later. Versus for me, if my window's open, I just am going to eat something if I feel like it. If I opened my window with lunch, ate my lunch, maybe mid-afternoon, I'll have a little something or whatever. And then, you know, it's a, I, don't, I do more of the grazing kind of a thing. I'm similar. For me, it's like I'm eating or I'm not eating. Exactly. Yeah. Chad said, he'll say his window is closed. I think I've said this before and it is hilarious. I'm like, no, it isn't. You've already, because he'll have his lunch and then I'll be like, do you want a little bit of this? He's like, no, my window is closed. He like, he has two windows. I'm like, that's not really what you're doing, but okay. Yeah. I think what you said is really great. Yeah. Basically, because she's asking, you know, what's better or does it matter if you're eating at those two different times, even with a gap in between, you're pretty much probably going to stay in the fed state that whole time. So it's not a matter of like trying to get back into the fast and then, you know, kind of like what Chad <laughs> thinks he's doing. He's not doing it on purpose. He just doesn't eat between meals, really. He's not like trying to fast twice or you know, or whatever. Yeah. What's interesting is like, I think the question is, what are the two options you're choosing between? Because if it's choosing between having an early meal and a later meal and the same earlier later meal with or without eating in between, there's a difference. You're eating more in the second situation. So I mean, depending on your goals, I wouldn't write off, I mean, it really depends on your goals and what you're trying to focus on, but I wouldn't write off the effect. It's not like magically that food in between doesn't mean anything or add any extra food just because it's all within the same window. It is extra food. Like for me, what would happen would be, I would just not be able to eat as much at dinner. I wouldn't be as hungry. Mm, see, I would be the same amount of hungry, probably. So, like for me, it would probably be better to not eat in between. Well, I would be hungry, so I'd be wanting to eat. I would just eat in between if I was hungry, and if I wasn't, I wouldn't. That would be it. And it's hard to know. Like, I, I can't know. Like, if I eat a small meal, like at lunchtime, and then the middle of the afternoon's rolling around and I'm hungry again, I'm going to eat even if it's not dinner time yet. I'm going to eat a little something. I don't like to be hungry. Once I've opened my window, I do not suffer with hunger. I'm not going to, you know, my window's already open. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat something. Now, it's, it was easy the other day when, when I told that McDonald's story. It was easy because it was I was still in the fasted state. I hadn't opened my window yet. So I was like, I'll just wait. I can wait longer. I'm fine. But once my window's open, I don't ignore hunger. Right. Okay. All right. I think we got it. Okay. Well, I love that. And so 
Thank you for the the follow-up, Zoe, and everybody be aware of hormonal hunger. Yes. All right. So we have a question from Kelsey, and the topic is metabolic flexibility, pro-metabolic eating, and cortisol. Hey, Jen and Melanie. I started IF in May of 2020, so as of writing this email, I'm coming up on one year of this lifestyle. I've had ups and downs and made tweaks here and there. Your podcast has been a wealth of information and encouragement for me. I'm long-winded, so buckle up. Here's why I'm writing. I'm currently in school to become a nutritional therapy practitioner, NTP, and one of the most common diets slash advice in this space right now is called pro-metabolic eating. Have either of you heard of this? The proponents of, oh, if anybody hears vacuuming, Chad's vacuuming. I don't hear it. Well, you might hear it in a minute because I think he's vacuuming towards the podcast studio. He likes to vacuum. (laughs) Anyhow, I just had to say that. We have a cordless Dyson. I have a big Dyson that you have to plug in, but I think you might hear him coming. But then I got a, a little one that's cordless. And so he just likes to, he'll like just go grab it and just start vacuuming. I'm certainly not complaining. I crack up every time you tell him you say that. It's so funny how he likes to vacuum. He likes it, but he he never has one time pulled out the big one in the whole history. We've been married for 30 years now. Wait, this is the big one? No, he doesn't use the big one. In 30 years of marriage, he's never pulled out the big one and started vacuuming the house. Unless like something tragic happened and I was away and he had, anyway. But he pulls out the cordless like every single day. And vacuum so you can probably hear it. It's coming towards the room. Anyway, so sorry. I'm going to go back to the question. Listeners, enjoy the sound of the vacuuming. All right. So she says, pro-metabolic eating. Have either of you heard of this? The proponents of it claim that to heal the metabolism, we need to eat a balance of carbs, fat, and protein, which I agree with, with an emphasis. And that was her saying, which I agree with. That was coming from Kelsey. With an emphasis on the most nutrient-dense foods. Again, I'm in agreement. That's Kelsey again. Where they lose me is that they claim we need to eat every two to three hours to keep the blood glucose balanced and specifically to reduce stress on the body. This, I'm guessing, is because they believe it is damaging for the body to release cortisol in order to create glucose from liver storage of glycogen to raise blood glucose back to stable levels when we go so long between eating. They actually even claim that the reason most people wake during the night is due to the body's running out of fuel, glucose, and stimulating cortisol production to release glucose. They claim it's that cortisol release which causes the waking. Have either of you heard of this? Personally, I don't often wake in the night, and I've even been getting better or more restful sleep since a few months into IF. My guess is that it has to do with becoming metabolically flexible and fat adapted. Is it possible that with increased metabolic flexibility, my body isn't producing so much cortisol to regulate my blood glucose during the fast because it no longer views my lack of energy in the form of food as an actual energy emergency since it's adapted to burning fat stores? If you can share any insights or really some actual evidence, I would be so grateful as those in this camp of pro-metabolic eating are highly critical of IF. Thank you both for the work you do. I've been working my way through your podcast from episode two since last year, and I'm currently coming up on episode 92. But I listen to the new one every Monday as well. So if you answer this, I won't miss it. Thanks again. Much appreciated, Kelsey. All right, Kelsey. Thank you so much for your question. Can I ask you a really random question, Jen? Sure. What is your go-to color for heart emojis? Kelsey used a yellow heart emoji. I always, I use red. Heart, the heart is red. Like the red, red one? Like total red. I just use the red. See, I feel like the red, red one is like romantic. 
So I don't ever use that one usually. I always use the red one. I use the pink one with the sparkles. Okay. I'm not pink sparkly at all. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The vacuum is approaching again. (laughs) What is what is Maybe something happened out there. I don't know. (laughs) Kelsey likes yellow hearts. Some people use like the blue heart. Some people use like the green. I always think it's really interesting. I feel like you can say like tell a lot about a person by maybe we should do some kind of study on that. That'd be a psychological study of what does your heart choice say about you? We could just make stuff up because people do. Apparently there was some, somebody shared something in the moderator group about there's a new intermittent fasting ad. You know how they have all those crazy ones, like what your foot length says about what intermittent fasting protocol. And there was another crazy one. I can't remember what it was, but it was nutty. You don't remember though? I would have to look back, but we were all laughing about it. Now I'm trying to remember, I did an informal study in my IF biohackers group. I want to find it. I asked, do people count the eating window or the fasting window? You know, that whole thing that we talk about? Yeah. Yep. I want to find it. It was heavily weighted towards people counting the fasting window. I believe that. But for me, I just got started with Fast Five, Dr. Bart Herring, and his whole premise was, five-hour window, start eating, close the window within five hours. So that's how I was, you know, I don't know the word trained to do intermittent fasting. That's how I was raised. I was raised up by Bart Herring. (laughs) So, you know, I don't think there's any one right or wrong way. But that's just the way I started doing it. But, and again, that was why Cal made the window app for me because all the apps that I could find wanted to track the fast. I didn't want to track the fast. So I believe that maybe more people track the fast. I didn't want to track the fast. I found it. So I said, which do you slash would you rather count? The first option was the fasting window, which i.e. the minimum amount of hours to fast. So that got 236 votes. The second place was eating window, the maximum amount of hours to eat that got 39 votes. Only 39? Wow, that's shocking. Yeah, 39 compared to 236. You see, because for me, I need the structure of the eating window. The timing, the timing made, because I could, I don't care how long I fast. I could over overeat in an eating window that was too long. Yeah. I mean, I solved that problem by having my eating window go up until my bedtime. So it can only be so long. I think I said this last time, but I think if I had an earlier eating window, like I might have to count both. <laughs> Close the window. Yeah. If it was earlier, I think I would have to count the eating and then the fast would just naturally be long. So. Oh, four people said I track both on two different apps. That sounds complicated. And then 15 people said I don't track or count. Yeah, I'm now in the I don't track or count stage. Sometimes out of curiosity, I'll think back, how long was my window today? But I still always think in terms of the window. Of the eating window. Yep, the eating window. I don't say fasting window. I never say that. When I say window, I'm talking about the eating window. But although the other day when I had the longer fast, just because I was over at my parents' house and I was really busy and out and about. And then I went and did some shopping. The only reason I paid attention to that is because it was like 24 hours. And I was like, oh, it's been 24 hours. I mean, I very rarely fast that long. Yeah. I don't track or count it now. I typically don't start eating like before a certain time, basically. But I don't like track the hours fasted. But I would feel weird eating before a certain time. Well, Chad and I went out to lunch last Friday. You know, by the time our food came, it was probably 1 p.m., So I started eating at 1 p.m. And what's always so funny is, even though I don't say, because I'm not at the stage where I'm like, you know, heavily regimented with what I'm doing, I still 
well, sometimes if I start earlier than normal, we'll, we'll just out of, ha- just out of curiosity, I think is the word for it. Like how long was my window? And it's rarely over six hours, no matter what I do. Your eating window. Yeah. Yeah. Rarely over six hours. And I'm just like, all right, I'm done now. And I look and it's like seven. I'm like, okay, <laughs> no surprise. <laughs> all right. So back to Kelsey's question, <laughs> which I almost forgot the question at this point. How did we get off on that? I asked about the the heart emojis and then doing track studies. And I, I did the comment in my group or the poll. So Kelsey, yes, I have heard about the pro-metabolic eating thing. So to answer the different questions, I do think it is very often the case with a lot of people that the reason they wake up at night is because their blood sugar drops and then the cortisol is released to release blood sugar and then you wake up. The people in the repeat world talk about that a lot. I also think, yes, it's very possible that with her fat burning state that she is now in or that her body is, you know, really good at not relying on wavering blood sugar levels so much. So she's not having this cortisol experience. I think that is very, very likely as well. So as far as like fasting being in conflict with this pro-metabolic eating thing, it makes sense because the concept behind this pro-metabolic eating is in order to mitigate these blood sugar swings, the solution is eating constantly. And, and you know, when, when she said, have you either of you heard of this? I mean, I don't know that I've heard that terminology pro-metabolic eating as a program, which seems to just be a fancy repackaged way of what we were told to eat all the time. I mean, we've been told that now for a long time. And how's that working for people? With the addition of, I guess, the focus on the food types, like the balance of the macros and then the nutrient-dense foods. Well, I, I do agree that nutrient-dense foods, that's important. Yeah. Whether you balance your carbs, fat, and protein, that would depend on you personally and how your body responds to, you know, those foods. Not everyone should balance them identically. Exactly. But I don't agree with that. So basically, I just think that everything she said is quite possible. I think so too. I mean, I I don't have blood sugar crashes. I mean, like I said, I went 24 hours just on, I didn't mean to. It was just because I was, you know, somewhere where there wasn't, we weren't eating. And then I ran some errands and then it was late. I didn't have any blood sugar crashes. My body didn't feel stressed out. I felt perfect. And even thinking I could eat right now if I wanted to have something I used to love, I didn't even want to. I was like, I can wait till later. So I don't think that we're having those crashes and our body's going nuts. I mean, I never have felt better with intermittent fasting. And I remember back, probably all of us can remember back when we tried to do these diet plans where you were eating every two to three hours like a newborn baby who is trying to grow, by the way. <laughs> the the eating every two to three hours is the perfect protocol if you're trying to build a newborn body. I mean, that's how babies eat. They wake up and around the clock, they're eating every two to three hours. And they're growing, growing, growing. Now, one thing that, that is interesting, the whole, you know, eat frequently to raise your metabolism is based on the fact that eating does raise the metabolism. But the flaw in the logic is that it doesn't raise it more than the f- amount of the food you just ate. Right. It's a percent of the food consumed. Right. So it's not It's not like, like let's. I'm just going to make up numbers. I don't count calories. But let's say you ate 400 calories worth of food. It's not going to raise your metabolism enough that it will burn more than 400 calories of food. The average is around 10% of 
Right. So it, it's 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 a flawed. I mean, yeah, it might raise your metabolism, but it's not going to give you the balance that you're looking for because you just ate all that food to do it. I hope that that made sense the way I explained it. No, it does. Like it's really funny how people say, I, yeah, because people say that they say eat food to you know burn calories and raise your metabolism, but it, it's a percent of what you ate. It's not like you burned more calories than you ate. Than you ate exactly. You're not coming out on the plus side of that mad math. If that was the case, you could just eat to lose weight, like you know. So, ironically, the exception to that, I'm just thinking about it. The exception to that might be, well, the closest that you would come to that would be something like alcohol. What do you mean? Because you can't actually store alcohol calories, but you burn calories burning alcohol. So, in theory. That would be the closest you could come to burning calories from consuming something and burning more than you took in. We do not recommend this approach. This is not a protocol that we recommend. (laughs) The straight vodka diet. No, please do not do that diet. I would die, literally die. Such a headache thinking about that. (laughs) So, all right. Hi friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold control. Contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, <laughs> drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked Farm Direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. 
It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted. And it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code MELANIEAVALON to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit. But sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. Shall we move on? Yes. All right. So now we have a question from Alyssa. The subject is having a bouncy eating window bouncy. I like that. She says, hi, Melanie and Jen. First off, y'all rock. Love the podcast, the banter, all of it. Your opinions and personalities unify and clash in the perfect symphony of information to provide us IFers with a well-rounded guide to this IF thing. And I appreciate that. Now to my question. I have been doing IF now since early April. When I started, I was breastfeeding and only doing short fasts around 12 to 14 hours to get used to it since I knew I wanted to jump right into it full blown after I was done. I did do a clean fast jump start, even though I had no idea what that was at the time. Do we want to comment on the breastfeeding or? Yes, 100%. I would like to. I would like to just really say I am 100% firm on my stance when it comes to breastfeeding and intermittent fasting. And there's more than one reason. And it's especially now in today's modern world after writing cleanish. You know, I talk about in cleanish, babies are born with chemicals in their cord blood. And, you know, we've got chemicals stored in our fat cells. And in the breastfeeding and human lactation book, it's like a textbook, page 440. So it's like not a tiny little textbook. Here's a direct quote. It says, Rapid weight loss programs should be avoided, this is during breastfeeding, because fat-soluble environmental contaminants and toxins stored in body fat are released into the milk when caloric intake is severely restricted. Now, let's unpack that a little bit. That means you do not want to have a goal of burning fat while you're breastfeeding. You know, so many people think that the only reason you wouldn't want to breastfeed is if it impacted your milk supply. And turns out that's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is we're not in a normal world now. You know, yeah, we're designed as humans to be able to feed a baby, even if the mom is going through, you know, some some nutritional hard times. We want to feed that baby, and, and we're designed to be able to do that, to feed that baby and reproduce. But we're not in those times because now we got all these toxins in our fat cells. So it's a whole different thing to consider. So I would never, 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 can I say never, recommend anyone do any kind of bre- any kind of fasting while they're breastfeeding and really don't try to lose weight. And I know, look, I had two babies and the first thing I wanted to do was get back to my pre-pregnancy body. But when you understand, yes, our bodies do store fat and we store toxins in our fat cells, do you want to be passing that on? You really, really don't. And I, of course, didn't understand that when I was pregnant. But I mean, here it is. I read it out of a textbook on breastfeeding. 
I think it's huge. Somebody actually posted about this the other day in my Facebook group. And I went and like looked up the studies. And in addition to what you mentioned, there's actually quite a few studies looking at weight loss while breastfeeding and the effect it has on toxins through the breast milk. And it's a shame, but this is our modern world. And so really, we should be honestly encouraging all new mothers not to try to lose weight at all in any way while breastfeeding. Consider that baby is still inside you. I mean, of course, it isn't. But it's the fourth trimester when you're breastfeeding. You need to protect your, you know, what, what comes out of you into your baby in a way that you probably hadn't thought of before. It's not just can you give your baby enough milk. It's what else are you giving your baby that you didn't mean to because it's stored in your fat cells. And you can't help it. That's the part that's so that, that shocked me so much when I was writing Cleanish. No matter how careful you're trying to be, we're getting more stuff just from our environment now, no matter how careful you are. So uh, it's a little scary. So, yes. Glad we could comment on that. <laughs> I know that wasn't what she was intending to ask. Anyway, but it was important. Yeah, I had that highlighted in yellow, that part to make sure to go back to. All right. So back to her question, she says, since my little one has stopped nursing, I have started doing various windows that change pretty frequently. Most days it will be 16-8, but I have been adding in 18-6 and 24 days and here and there as well. I do clean fast and I believe my body is fat adapted. My fasts usually feel great, though sometimes I do get hungry. I typically exercise while fasted, but sometimes life doesn't let that happen and I end up getting my workout in during my eating window. I definitely feel better doing it fasted though. My main question is whether or not it is okay to have longer or shorter eating windows and how that can affect your progress, weight loss, but more so body composition changes. To explain it a little better, I will break my fast around two on an 18-6 day. Then I won't start fasting again until 10. So my window ends up being longer than six hours. Then the next day I will fast until four to get in a 16-8 day. So essentially my eating window will vary and sometimes not match up with the fasting day type exactly. Is this okay? Do I need to nail it down a bit more to really see those changes? Thank you for all that both of you do for the IF community and I appreciate your help. Here's something really funny. And I see this all the time. Alyssa is trying really hard to make those numbers add up to 24. Like she said, she's doing 18.6, but actually she didn't. She did 18.8 that day, breaking her fast around two and then eating until 10. She fasted for 18 hours. Then she had an eight hour window. That is not 18.6. That is 18.8. And then she went from 10 until four. So that wasn't 16 hours, was it? How long was that? 10 to four would be, well, six hours to eat. Oh, yeah. Okay. That is 16. But then she's not eating for eight hours. So that's not 16.8. Maybe she would only do 16.3. So maybe she did 18.8, then the next day was 16.3. Don't try to make them add up to 24 because a 24-hour day, part of it is while we're sleeping. And so when we're sleeping, we're spanning two calendar days. So it is very, very rare, unless you are so regimented that you're using an app and you're always starting and stopping at the same exact time every day, it's very, very rare that it will actually be adding up to 24. Does that make sense? Like mine definitely doesn't. Like I'd, I'd never do, like even though I had a six-hour eating window last Friday, I, I don't know how long I fasted before I opened my window, but it, who knows? It might have been it might have been 15 hours. So I did 15-6, right? I mean, <laughs> it would only add up to 24 
if you ended right at like at a 24 cycle every single time. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And and it's very rare unless you're very, very regimented and you're always like, I always open at four and I always close at seven and that is what I do. Then you're going to have something like that. But it. so the question is, can you be flexible? Yes. Yes. Don't try to label it like, but you know, don't worry about whether you're doing 18, six, because you didn't, you did 18, eight, like I said, and that's okay. What I found for me when I was trying to lose weight, I did have to rein in the length of my eating window. That is why I had to track my eating window length instead of the fast. That's also why it's less confusing to only track one thing. You know, instead of trying to track them both, pick one thing that works well for you. For me, it was eating window length because if my eating window went too long, I overate and I wouldn't lose weight. I lost weight as long as I could keep my eating window five hours or less, I would slow and steady lose weight. It was when I started extending my eating window beyond five hours that the weight loss would slow down or stop. So what do you need to do? What what approach is going to be right for you? We can't tell you. It all depends on you. There are people who lose weight with an eight-hour eating window, and there are people who don't. Which will be you, you'll have to see. And a lot of it just depends on your eating habits. You know, if it's if you're somebody who likes small meals and you have that like this delicate eating (laughs) approach to eating, you know, you could probably have a longer window. I am not that person. I like to eat a hearty meal. I like to eat a lot. I like to feel like there's, you know, I like to eat. So that's why I needed a shorter eating window so I could have that sensation of being full like my body enjoys. I'm not someone who, you know, eats like a bird. Does that make sense? It does. So it actually really clicked in well with what we were saying earlier about focusing on either. It kind of gets rid of that whole issue if you sort of focus on one or the other. Although that said, I mean, depending on your goals and what progress you're seeing and what you're doing, you could still even change up that focus. Oh yeah. I'm a big fan of changing things up. Changing up is great because it, you know, keeps the body from adjusting and adapting to what you're doing. So, you know, having a longer window one day and a shorter window the next day, you know, like a mild up and down pattern, one hour window one day, seven hour window the next. That's not technically up down ADF, but it will give you that mild up and down kind of pattern. Yeah. So actually, so for her question though, like, does she need to nail it down? Does it really see those changes? You can just see, are you, are you seeing the changes? That's what I, yeah, that's what I meant by, you know, we don't know. We can't say. So if you are seeing changes, then keep on keeping on. If you're not. Nail it down. Yeah. Then you can adjust from there. And this just always strikes back to me. People really just want to label everything. Like everyone wants to put a label on what they're doing. And, and I would like to see us getting more away from, you know, having to label it. Like someone was asking the other day about one meal a day. And she's like, well, I, you know, this and that. And then I had, a, it was that one meal a day. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Don't try to name it. That is my, my goal for you. You do intermittent fasting. You open your window. You close your window when you've had enough to eat for the day, whenever that is. And you know what? Someone was, was like talking in the, it was on the Delay Don't Deny social network. She's like, I don't know what to do. My window is closed and I'm really, really hungry. I'm like, eat some more. Your body is telling you, you need to eat some more. You know, you should, should not have to be fighting against hunger that feels bad just because, you know, you've decided you're going to do 24 and it's been five hours. You know, struggling with the hunger in the eating window is different than perceiving to struggle with hunger in the fasting window. 
And over time, as you become fat adapted, the fast really shouldn't be a struggle of hunger. Once you're adapted, I mean, if you're still in your first month to eight weeks, okay, you, you may struggle with some hunger. But once you're past that, you should be fat adapted. And if you're still struggling with really bad hunger, I would examine your fast, make sure you're not having something that's inadvertently breaking it. Maybe you're someone that can't even do black coffee. There are people like that that have to do water only or they get hungry. But there's there's something that you can work on because you really should not be feeling miserable during the fast if your body is fat adapted. Maybe, you know, sometimes if people end up, let's just say a 16-8, if someone does 16-8, they never quite get to the, you know, every day they get really hungry at 16 and then they eat and they never are quite getting into the fat burning. So that could be, you know, you just might need to extend that fast a little bit to feel the the metabolic magic. That can seem ironic probably to some people, you know, if they're always experiencing hunger and then that the answer might actually be to fast longer. <laughs> yeah. Like the reason you're always hungry at 16 is because you've never pushed past it to the point where your body's like, oh, there's the, there's the energy. Yeah. Counterintuitive, but might be the case. Exactly. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions to the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 225. Those show notes will have a complete transcript. So definitely check that out. You can get all of these stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are ifpodcast. Jen is Jen Stevens and I am Melanie Avalon. And I think that is everything. All right. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. I think that's it. I really enjoyed it. Me too. I guess I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.